Three, two, oh, you already hit the button. Yeah, yeah, we're recording now, okay. so. Hey, man. Hey, dude. How was your <laughs> Thanksgiving break? My break was good. It was very restful. It was nice. Got a lot of rest. I might even That's say was I was restful. well rested now that I'm coming back. So Honestly, me too, dog. That's good. I'm glad to hear it. I was really restful. Um, rested up big time. Oh, yeah? Um, at the end of it, honestly, I just felt really rested. That's great. Um, but yeah, I mean, how you did you go? You think you got a lot of rest? I mean, I was... I felt rested. I don't know if that means I... Bro, this is the stupidest <laughs> bit we've ever done. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode. <laughs> I'm your host, Pranav. This is your host, Rich. You already know who it is. And we're rested. We're rested. <laughs> Ready to deliver you a quality <laughs> episode today. Hey, what do you think of my new sweatshirt? Oh, it's fresh. You think I look cute? Is it actually new? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. I thought you always wore that color. <laughs> Cue the fucking intro, dude. <laughs> Speaking of how cute I look in this new sweatshirt. Yeah. Great, uh, almost what undeniable. How cute. I know it's, it's almost um, objective. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like everyone knows that if I were to wear the sweatshirt, I would look cute. Of course. So, what a great segue <laughs> into our topic. <laughs> what a great segue into our topic for today, so, which is <laughs> this week. <laughs> you go. You we'll go. be talking about universal beauty. Is it possible for something to be universally beautiful or is beauty in the eye of the beholder? And that's something that I'm sure I'm sure everybody struggles with cuz you know, they're all focused on themselves like am I am I universally hot or is it just how people see me? I'm not asking that. You're, I know the answer. You don't are, worry. Bro. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm not asking that for myself. Bum. Tweet us at fish. Let us know if we're not universally hot. Please don't hot. tweet that. Please don't. But it's another thing is that this also comes up in our everyday lives in terms of school like can uh, can a design or can architecture be universally beautiful or does it depend on the person experiencing or the person viewing it right so this is this is something that matters a lot to us and i'm sure matters to everybody so that's it's uh it's a good topic to dissect and that's where i think it's interesting because it beauty doesn't necessarily just have to be about uh physical beauty or attractiveness it right extends to you know architecture art movies literally anything that we perceive and the way we perceive it and um i think it's an interesting discussion when you start to get into how does it how how has it changed over time Right, yeah, because definitely. the whole concept of objective beauty came from back in the day when we had like symmetry and well, we still have symmetry, <laughs> but <laughs> when symmetry and the golden ratio and said um, proportions and things were sort of set as guidelines for what beauty should the be. The Vitruvian man, throwback, throwback to classic Vitruvius. Vitruvius. Bro. I know. You think we can have him on the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> you think he's available? I'll uh, <laughs> I'll text him. Yeah, let me know. Um, but my, my guy Vitruvius and uh, <laughs> anyone else who sort of set these standards for beauty back in the day, wh- whether that was um, just based on the golden ratio or symmetry or any of those old Greek and Roman standards. Um, well, the thing is, did he set them or did he notice them? And they were just all, the, all the, like there the whole time because things like the golden ratio right. and the perfect like Vitruvian man proportions, that stuff, that appears in nature. Yeah. Uh, 
a lot. So it's not like somebody invented these things. They've been yeah, there, yeah. you know. You're right. It's it's more of um, what I meant to say was more of the time and the and the place that it came oh, about. Yeah. I gotcha. um, you're right. Uh, in nature and in everywhere else, we sort of have these things inherently shown to us. And um, I think around that era of Vitruvius and and that um, time period is when they noticed that these things were beautiful and that's when the the term objective beauty was sort of coined and um based on objective beauty that's where we get uh the rebuttal of that um concept of subjective beauty because once you have a concept of beauty and and everyone's claiming that this is how this is what beautiful architecture this is what beautiful art is people whatever it is sculptures at the time um once you have set that guideline then you have people who disagree with it and can say that, okay, this is not beautiful to me. Right. And that's where you have subjective beauty. Um, and what I think is interesting is that it changes from not only in time periods from back in the day to now, but also culturally. Yeah, that's definitely true. And um, one of the things I was reading was that um, a, lot of the, a lot of the science behind facial beauty and like attractiveness mm-hmm. stems from symmetry. And I'm sure you've heard this and I'm sure everyone else has heard yeah, this too. But um, when, when you have a face that's symmetrical... It's supposedly more beautiful. And you would think that's like objectively more beautiful because babies are drawn to people with more symmetric faces. I don't right. know if you know that's true, but like, yeah. Right, exactly. And, and that's supposed to be the subjective or objective beauty, right? Um, right. When it, whether it's a baby or it's someone like our age or anyone else finding uh, a face that's symmetric and then just sort of objectively qualifying it as um, for sure beautiful. But I think what's interesting is that in... Like we're talking about the whole contrast between Eastern and Western culture, right? And Eastern cultures, um, for example, Japan, find that symmetry is beautiful in the face because that's sort of objective or like worldwide, universal. Right. But when it comes to their art or architecture or design or creative uh, disciplines, they find that symmetry isn't uh, beautiful, isn't isn't like a universal beautiful standard. Yeah. And that becomes more of a cultural thing than an objective or even right. individualized thing, right? Right. Um, and I don't know if that's because uh, just because symmetry is given like different importances in different cultures, but I think there's a, there's definitely, there's a, uh, fuck. There's definitely a differentiation between universal and cultural beauty. And um, like symmetry is just one of those. For sure. And I think that um, there are, there can be elements of beauty. Oh boy, I said oh, elements. Said I know, it. dude. But um, it wasn't even me. Anything, anything from individualized to universal standards of beauty, and when we get our like cultural standards of beauty, I think that ends up being something that just uh, it's like individualized to a greater degree. So it's like for like for example, individual beauty is shaped by a person's like experiences or the history that they've gone through, and cultural beauty is just that on a larger scale. It seems like. Would you even say that like cultural or not cultural, but individual beauty is? Yeah, you, you said shaped by experiences and history and whatnot, but don't you feel like it's a combination of universal and cultural beauty? Explain. Because I feel like when, um, maybe maybe not necessarily what we're taught in school, but just the experiences that we have as, as a part of our learning process when we're children is all based on universal beauty, right? Because um, generally what you're taught in textbooks or what you're taught as the baseline standard for beauty comes from... A, a generational thing that's brought down over several decades right and is said to be this is what beauty is whether that's whether that stems from the golden ratio or pop culture or um mainstream media 
I think there's a general sense of uh, here's what beauty is when we grow up as, as kids. But as time goes on, like you said, experiences shape that and redefine that. And um, once we start to, because not everyone when they're young has their own opinions, right? Like right. when you're six years old, you don't give a shit about what beauty is. You don't really care. Um, but when you're older, you have you have a brain. Yeah, you're able to and, formulate your own thoughts. Exactly. Yeah, imagine that. And um, I think once you were able to um, differentiate between what's good and bad and you your brain is able to understand those things, then you can define beauty uh, for yourself and use your experiences to define that. Does that make yeah. sense as in terms of like it's a combination between cultural and universal? I might not be right. I'm just it makes sense to me, things. but I think like I think what you're talking about is like a combination of individualized and universal beauty, and I think I think everybody shares both. That's fair. Um, one thing that we can probably relate to a little bit more because when we when we go to India, you definitely feel like there's a lot of Western culture. Definitely, yeah. It's it's pretty weird to see your own culture like valued so highly on the other side of the world, or like you're like. Yeah, you're like American culture valued right. where you like, you know what I mean? It's it's very weird to see that, but it is it is an issue in India where western culture, beauty standards, all those things like that are like almost idolized over there. It's it's really weird to see. Yeah. And I think um one one it's weird to see, but two, there's things that are like, you know in Mulan when uh at the beginning part, she's forced to put on all the like makeup so that she's really yeah. fair. That still, it's not like it's an antiquated concept, right? It's oh, still, yeah, definitely it's not. It's still a thing where in Eastern cultures, they want to, it's almost as if they use Western culture uh, as an as excuse a, for whitewashing. Right, exactly. Yeah, Whether that's weird, like the color man. of their skin or the, the, the clothes they wear or things yeah. like that. It's like, here's the baseline for what beauty is. Let's adopt that. For sure. And uh, I've, the weird thing is I don't see it the reverse way. I don't see it as like Western cultures adopting Eastern practices or methodologies of beauty yeah i don't yeah i don't see that very much either and i i don't understand why but and it's almost like the opposite because remember that one thing that uh went on on twitter where the one girl wore um a kimono or something to prom, yeah, yeah yeah and then she got like absolutely blown up for it yeah so i feel like if the opposite thing happened you know if like prom happened in india that would be <laughs> celebrated and be awesome yeah. right yeah but when the opposite happens in america it's like that's shit it's frowned upon yeah exactly. that's kind of weird um which I don't know if that's like a, a a culturally dominant thing or who knows. Um, I think one of one of the things I was reading that was kind of interesting was uh, the way they tried to differentiate between objective and cultural beauty, not cultural, sorry, objective and subjective beauty. Yeah. Um, in like a study, was they show people two different types of two different groups of sculptures. Right. Because sculptures were what was like the main art form back in the day that was sort of the standard of beauty. And so they used two different groups of sculptures. One that was supposedly very, very ugly, like just crappy. Right. And the other was objectively beautiful, like a very nice marble sculpture and, you know, details and precision and whatnot. Right. And so when you bring out two things that are very clearly polar opposites of the beauty, of the beauty spectrum, and you have people that still say that the ugly one is beautiful then you can qualify that as like clearly subjective yeah definitely because when you have something that is it's hard to qualify something as objective beauty these days because of everyone else have differing differing opinions and whatnot sure but some things are just ugly dude so (laughs) (laughs) some things are ugly and so when they use these things that are clearly clearly 
the opposite of what beauty is meant to be or what beauty yeah. is always thought to be and someone still finds that as beautiful that's where it's like a clear indication of subjective beauty yeah definitely um i think another i'm gonna say it, another element another element that we have today Here we go is uh the comparative factor right and we've talked about this in other episodes but where comparison becomes part of the justification of beauty or happiness or whatever else oh i definitely think that happens a lot in fact sometimes i'll say that things are like things seem more beautiful to me the harder they look to do if that makes sense the harder they look to do like in order to complete them or yeah so like if i oh, would say goes, like when, yeah when the, the 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 work it takes to get it done yeah exactly okay. that's fair um and we can see that in studio and stuff too when when you can like when you see the direct input and the output and how those two are related For or sure. you know the correlation between them um like if i see like a like an architectural like model or drawing or whatever and if it looks like there was a lot of like work and effort put into it and i am not sure how i could replicate that myself regardless of whether or not it's like strong conceptually i'll like i'll feel the need to think is beautiful if that makes sense just because i have no idea how i do it myself that's fair and i think that same notion that you have extends to a lot of other disciplines where something that took a lot of time and pain and effort is then qualified as beautiful even if it may not be you know the majority of what people think right even if even if 99 percent of people think that this painting is shit if it took a million hours and a lot of blood sweat and tears put into it then it might still be beautiful and that's where yeah. beauty defers as like not necessarily what is objectively beautiful but the time it took the passion yeah the pain and all that same thing in music too oh definitely um oh i was just watching a video uh of some guy on youtube who remade um he remakes like all the hip-hop songs these days sure. like he made highest in the room by travis scott and then sicko mode and like a bunch of other travis <laughs> sure. songs and um all the comments were like bro you can you think you can remake the song in five minutes but you don't know how long it took for them to came, come up with the song yeah so um that's that's probably what you're talking about in terms of what it took to get there is more beautiful than actually you know the final piece or whatever yeah definitely um do you think that we can eliminate this whole comparison factor though i don't think so i think part of just existing is knowing that there are plenty of other people that exist around you and it's really hard not to compare yourself to other people and it's not hard it's it's difficult to like not compare works of art to other works of art that are similar like in the same time period you know what i mean yeah what about comparing things that are not in the same time period like you know because because things get remade and re and rebuilt and redone and whatever else remastered right um so can we still compare things that are that were beautiful in 1940 and then were remade now is it fair to compare those things and say one's more beautiful or say the original's more beautiful because you know it's the original i think it's difficult to compare but i do think like if you try and compare you'll end up running with issues like you were just saying where people would say like yeah the original is uh better because it's the original the new version is better because it was made with new technology with new uh new knowledge that we have as a right. society whatever like that that argument will extend to both sides so then it becomes even more uh even more subjective interesting well that that's a, that's a good point in terms of what else do we have now to work with right uh, you know with in terms of arts and creative disciplines but i think the second part of the comparative factor is also competition because True. we see that a lot in architecture and i'm sure um several other creative disciplines see that as well in terms of placing yourself in this rank 
between the people that are in your discipline and how they're performing versus how you're performing. And I think when you start to place money and value towards that, then this whole competition factor makes things less and more beautiful. Yeah, of course, because it's like what's good relative to other people, right? There's a, It's so hard to compare yourself to only yourself knowing that there are so many people in the same shoes as you, right? Exactly. And I think it's really, really evident in music because uh, in music you have a, a quantitative uh, factor where you have like people making money and, yeah. and records and how much they sell and all that stuff. And you have the same thing in like movies and other, other instances too. But in music, it's really evident that it's really in your face. Like how many streams somebody's getting, how well a song is doing, how many radio plays, things like that. And that necessarily doesn't necessarily correlate to the quote unquote beauty of the piece. Because, uh, when you have, I'm going to, I'm going to use the example of Drake. Of course. When you have Drake making like several records and whatever else in the world. And, uh, unbelievable. It's, but I guess this is subjective at this point, right? Because we're saying basically shitting on Drake to say that it's not beautiful. No, Drake's objectively bad. <laughs> <laughs> Put that on the record. Drake is objectively not good at making music. Dude, straight up, y'all are gonna have an episode coming sometime soon where we <laughs> where we break down just how objectively bad Drake is for our culture. But I'm not gonna get into that right now. We're gonna now. use the golden ratio. We can use symmetry. <laughs> The symmetry in Drake's music is just shit. <laughs> um, I think, com- com- uh, what was I going to say? Competition. Yeah. In architecture is also really evident because when you start to take into account praise and um, you know design excellence and things oh, that are just boy. valued as being the high quality of architecture or in, in our studio for, for what I mean. Um, you start to level people out in terms of beauty and not beauty and quality and not quality. So yeah, especially in like a creative discipline, it's so hard to know. It's so hard to get validation because everything is so subjective, you know. So, so the objective quantifiers of praise from your professor, or awards, or anything like that goes a much longer way than it would in other disciplines. Yeah, and it's really like you said, it's really hard to objectively say something is beautiful in any creative discipline. Right, and um, I forget what movie it was. Remember that one movie with uh, Kevin Hart and Brian Cranston, and Kevin Hart's like his caretaker. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know um, what you're talking about. It was a really like really cute movie, but yeah. there was that one part in it where uh, Kevin Hart, I think, paints something or, or something something like that. And because of uh, Brian Cranston's like stature and his friends being so rich and everything, and they're all art investors, right. when he talks up this absolute shit painting to his <laughs> friends, and he's like, "Oh yeah, this is a." a modern century classic and it's worth a lot of money. You're really going to want it. Yeah. They're immediately like, Oh, awesome. Like I'll take it for, give me, give me for 50 million. Yeah. As long as that value and like that high praise is placed. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. So as long as, and, and that only comes from someone who's already, uh, whose word is valued. Right. Cause when, for sure, when someone like Zane Lowe or somebody does an interview or a, a review of a album or a piece, their word is really like, revered. yeah, you care what that person has exactly. to say. And so that's when the value of something goes up when you have something that is all someone who's already respected saying something of high quality of essentially objectively quantifying it or exactly. giving it this objective quotation mark. And that's where, yeah, that's where it becomes objective. Yeah. Um, even though um, there's still going to be the small percentage of people or a large percent of people who disagree with that. Cause the, yeah, it is just an opinion, but like opinions from respected people are weighted as, yeah, as close as we can really get to, uh, making something that's subjective 
and giving that like an element of objectivity if that makes sense right so that's that's the tally of three right there yeah, for i hate myself of... <laughs> for that one bro i'm gonna be honest <laughs> um i want to bring up a little a side note when we're on um we've been talking a lot about architecture and design so i want to talk about the concept of minimalism versus maximalism yeah yeah which is something that came about in like 1950s 1960s where you've had architecture in, in various different styles and cultural practices across the country or across the world sorry um, but then all of a sudden you have this um, concept of minimalism that's introduced where it's a very singular style, it's widespread, it's um, reserved tones, reserved patterns, um, basically sticking to the essentials. Whether and, and this minimalism also extends to lifestyle, not just design, Yeah. Um, because it started from uh, design where it was very uh, muted tones, earth tones, uh, like I said, reserved patterns, uh, colors, and um, elements in a room, but then it extends to lifestyle where it's really just living with the essentials of life and keeping yeah. only what you need and not being a hoarder and keeping it to very simple, simplistic ideals. Right. And from that came maximalism, you know, so the, so the, the opposite of it, the inverse. Yeah. Right. Doing, and, um, doing absolutely as much as you can. Exactly. And that came as a, as a response to what minimalism was. And for the, for the people that hated it, they were like, let me take the extreme opposite of that. Mm-hmm. So, do we feel like that is an appropriate response to beauty, and can we objectify that, or can we, can we subjectify that as as one being more beautiful than the other? Well, as usual, I'll break it down in terms of Kanye albums because <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what really helps me understand maximalism versus minimalism. You use your language, because... <laughs> bro. Because <laughs> you could argue that Twisted Fantasy is Kanye's maximalist album and Yeezus is his minimal, minimalist album. And uh, if you be paying attention to these episodes, you know that I like <laughs> Twisted Fantasy a little bit more than I like Yeezus. But that's definitely not the case for everybody. And that's also not to say that it's a bad album or anything or I don't like it because it's minimalist because I really appreciate that about it. But I do think that those are two very different responses to kind of the same set of situations that could occur. And um, although although I have my preference and I know what I'd want, I think uh, I think either way can work if you do it properly. Either way can work if you do it properly, and properly also is like another subjective parameter, because properly to you might not be proper. Properly yeah, yeah, to, yeah, for sure. Know, whoever else, um, and I think a lot of a lot of the argument that was made towards maximalism stood out to me more, just because the people people that where for maximalism said that it was a, a larger um, outlet of creativity, personal expression, expression of like personality and things mm-hmm. like that. And I think those are the things that sort of matter in terms of like, this is just my opinion. So it's all completely subjective. No. Yeah. But it makes but, sense. Um, those are the things that matter in terms of beautification standards or beauty expression and whatnot. Yeah. Cause it all comes down to like expression and maximalism is like, you're expressing more like as much as you can. Exactly. But also there's a the flip side of minimalism being like, how can I say so much with such like simple, like exactly. movements or like elements or, Oh fuck, fuck me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and that's for, Oh man. <laughs> Um, but that's exactly the, the counter argument that people that were on the favor of minimalism side made because they said like less allows you to become more rather than having more. That's deep. That's deep, that's, bro. Dude, that's that's an Instagram <laughs> quote. That was fire. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so I'm, I'm still at like a, a loss of decision on that one because they're, so, they're such polar opposites. Yeah. Minimalism, maximalism. And um, a lot of people try to find that happy medium and say like essentialism is 
what you need. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, then again, with the whole happy medium, I feel like that's where we all land anyways, because when you have beauty standards or any sort of um, standards that are on the spectrum or a scale of things, you always want to find the happy medium. Yeah, I do feel like most people lean one way or the other, though. They do, yeah. And I think it's, to be honest, it's not as interesting to be in the middle. Like, yeah, just pick a true, side. True, <laughs> Whether, even if your side is like, even if the side you lean towards, but like, there's no, there's not a set spectrum I'm talking about, but whatever, whatever issue you're dealing with or whatever standard that you're trying to um, tackle or overcome or set yourself on the scale for, right. I think it's more successful if someone picks a side of that spectrum and and goes all in towards that side rather than yeah. sitting on the fence don't half-ass two things full ass one thing oh oh boy <laughs> oh boy we got, we got competition for the instagram quote <laughs> hold on let me look up let me look up more things <laughs> and i think uh do you remember one of our first episodes where we were like we were telling people just do what they want Remember, <laughs> we were like, go out, do what you want, be oh, yourself. Oh, we were so inspirational, man. <laughs> I feel like we're going to end this episode on the same note. Oh, because man. Because there's a lot of... When 15 we come, episodes and no we, character <laughs> development. You really hate to see it. The character arc is a full circle. <laughs> um, Speaking of full circles, we've come full circle to beauty standards. That's right. And we're um, back where we started. When we us. when we get back to beauty standards in the current time in the the modern era, I think a lot of what comes to mind initially in terms of beauty standards is uh, facial attractiveness and and body positive and those kind of sure. you know like attractiveness, and so I think the whole issue is when people start comparing. We've already talked about this, yeah, the factor yeah. of comparison and whatnot, and I think the issue is that when people start thinking that other people's opinions matter things go haywire true be yourself and everything else will fall into place you know what they say man fuck the haters fuck the haters dude <laughs> full circle that's exactly the character <laughs> arc we needed <laughs> fuck the haters be who you want to be and don't give a shit about beauty standards because they don't they don't exist great we just proved we just answered our own question <laughs> good for us we can end the episode now so yeah is is beauty in the eye of the beholder let us know what you think. We clearly just solved the case yeah. for you. We, <laughs> if you disagree, we're happy to hear your arguments. Coming to you live, this is Sherlock and Holmes. This is <laughs> <laughs> we just solved the beauty standard case on another episode of Odd Fish. Um, take it away. Let them, let them know what you got to... You always do the social media stuff, so. Oh yeah, Wh- whatever you know. If you got if you got <laughs> anything to say about beauty standards, if you think they're objective, universal, subjective, whatever, uh, tweet us at hashtag Oddfish. Any uh, suggestions for us to improve? Any ideas for new episodes? Tweet us at hashtag Oddfish. Leave us an anchor message. Text us. Send us snail mail. I don't give a fuck, bro. <laughs> <laughs> That's our episode. We'll see you next week.